Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I am a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Today's episode is a mini-sode that we call Friday with the Wife. In these mini-sodes, my wife Kim and I deconstruct the strategies that we've developed over the last decade to not only grow personally, but to turn our struggles into lessons and create fulfillment in all areas of our lives. Excuses are over. It's time to live. Let's dig into today's topic. All right, before we jump into this episode, I want to invite you to be considered for my Work Hard, Play Hard Mastermind by completing an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. So this mastermind is not like any mastermind you may have been to or heard of, I promise you. This mastermind is for six to seven figure entrepreneurs that are working too damn much and aren't taking the time to have amazing experiences around the world with an incredible tribe of people. So every 100 days or so, I drop you into new experiences that are specifically designed to elevate your thinking, to give you new ideas. Look, you get your best ideas not staring at a computer. And actually, this is the way high-level people really collaborate with each other. They do it over a glass of champagne, watching the sunset in the south of France. And we'll be doing things just like that. In fact, we'll be taking a vintage car ride through the French Riviera this summer. And we'll be truffle hunting in Florence in the fall, to name just a few of the experiences so that I can give you a feel for it. So if you are ready to do some fun stuff around the world and really, really want to level up your tribe in one shot, fill out an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. We'll jump on a call and we'll see if it's a good fit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. Kimberly, why did you let our four-year-old paint my toenails red Murgatroyd. Oh my God, this is the best thing ever. So this little girl, she's like, mommy, I want to paint daddy's toenails red. I was like, sure, (laughs) go ask daddy. And daddy said, yes. So yesterday she sat there and painted his toenails and not only painted the, well, she basically painted your toes and then asked me for like nail polish remover to go around and get it off the skin and make it perfect. I couldn't even believe like the level of detail that she was going through with a Q-tip to make your toenails perfect. Now, I must tell you that sitting here with my manly socks on and my cool new kicks, I feel like a beautiful woman <laughs> with, with red painted nails that are inside of these little, shoes right now. Do you feel now. a little dirty in there? or I feel like I have a secret. You do have a secret. The best is she said um, to me this morning, she woke up and said, mommy, I think I'm going to let daddy take the paint off his toenails after he goes to yoga and everyone at yoga sees his toes. I don't know. Why is she trying to humiliate you? Well, Kimberly, what are we talking about today? So speaking of yoga, I went to yoga the other day and, you know, this was something, it was really interesting um, Saturday for me because Friday, my day didn't work out. I got locked in the um, garage in our building and it, you know, made me late basically for everything and made me miss my, my normal yoga class. And Friday evening, I was able to wrap up a massive project that I had completed for our old clinic that was just 
consuming my bandwidth for the last 30 days, you know, the the clinic that we sold. And it was just a massive, massive project. So I finished it Friday night. Saturday morning, I go to yoga and it just felt like such a relief and such a beautiful yoga class. And then at the end, my uh, yoga teacher of Saturday, Karen, read this thing. And I asked her to send it to me because I wanted to share it with you And I did. And then he said, we should do a podcast about this because I just thought it was so pertinent to what we often talk about on here. So it's story time. Rob, you always want me to tell you a story. Well, it's a different kind of story (laughs) to put it in context, but that's for for another podcast. Okay, so stay with me here. I'm gonna read you like a three paragraph little story and I hope it goes well. It was a beautiful sun-filled day. I had driven 300 miles to see her. She was 90 and had been in one room for close to eight months. I was her firstborn grandson and she was so happy to see me. But after catching up, we sat in silence on the edge of her bed and finally she complained how gray of a day it was. I realized that when her one window hadn't been cleaned in almost a year. When I said this, she chuckled as only someone of 94 can, and uttered with her Russian accent, got a dirty eye, see a dirty world. It is the same with our minds and our hearts, for our very self is the one window we have into this life. And so often we suffer the mood of a dirty window, believing that the brilliant world gray. Perhaps the purpose of authentic relationship is to help each other keep our minds and hearts clear. Perhaps inner work is the ordinary art of window washing so that the day is fully the day. Love that. There's so much in that. What what comes away when you hear that? What comes away for you? Okay, so let me just say, this is the ordinary art Mark Nepo, The Book of Awakening, just in case anyone wants that. So what I really, I was I was sitting there and, well, I was laying in Savasana, Shavasana, whatever you say. And I, it was already an emotional practice for me because I just felt the release of all of this pressure from the past month. And I started to realize that over that last 30 days, my window was really dirty because I was overwhelmed, I was exhausted. I was uh, fearful. I was angry. If you had any word to describe me, <laughs> um, it's all of them during that last 30 days because this project that I had to do was just driving me crazy. It wasn't a fun one. So I realized that my window had been dirty and I felt like that that had been cleared up now, you know, that I had started to realize that did the work, completed the project. And, you know, three days before I was in yoga and I was really just, I was at my limit with this project because it relied on other people and the other people weren't helping. And I was sitting in yoga again and I said, okay, what would this look like if I, if it was peaceful? If I could bring peace to this project that I'm doing, what would it look like? And so I created a plan to make it peaceful and then consequently finished it early. So I had done that inner work 
to clean that window. And when I heard this, it just was very, I don't know, it just, it it hit home for me. I love that. First of all, that's a great question. What would this look like if it were peaceful? I love that question. And then I think you have to think about, so what is the shit in your life that's causing the dirt, right? You could feel dirty. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You could feel dirty in your life or you can have dirt in uh, in your windows uh, if you eat crappy food, if you drink too much alcohol, like that's a if real... you have a bad relationship, See, if you have so good. no exercise in your life, like all of those things create a little bit of dirt that you have to clean. So I think the first thing we should probably talk about here is how do you identify where the dirt is that is fogging your glass, you know, yeah. your eyes, right? Well, I think you said it to me, you know, journaling is really an amazing way to figure out what is really going on here. Like, what do you really, you know, some people wake up and they're like, oh my God, it's another shitty Monday, you know? Well, okay. Well, it doesn't have to be another shitty Monday. Like it's all in your perception and it's you creating that. So what could it look like different, right? So what makes Monday so shitty for you? Journal it. That's that's such a great thing because sometimes, you know, sitting down, we tend to loop things in our head over and over again, right? So, you know, you wake up and you're like, it's a shitty Monday. I don't feel so good. I don't know what it is. And you're continually looping that. But when you actually sit down and like, it doesn't have to be this three hour therapy session. You could sit down for five minutes and journal one question. Why do I feel like this is a shitty Monday? What could I do to make every Monday not shitty anymore? You know, playing with different kinds of questions. How can I make Monday outstanding, right? All these different things. But the point is that when you're sitting there and you're journaling, stuff comes out and you start to notice that you're journaling one thing, but while you're journaling it, another neuron is firing and you start going, oh, my 20-year-old daughter. See, you see what I did there? <laughs> my my 20-year-old, like, why is Monday so shitty? And while you're journaling it, you get this image of like, you know, your 20-year-old, right? Or, or, or your bad relationship. Or, or, you know, or that you just looked at yourself in the mirror and you don't like what you see, right? Things like that. And so you start journaling it and it's not necessarily Monday. It's just the state that you're in. It's misdirected anger. It's misdirected anger, right? And you start you start data dumping this stuff out of you and you look down and you realize that this is the dirt that is on your windshield, right? This is the dirt that is fogging your glasses. So one way would be journaling. Yeah, I I think that's great. And you know what? Here's the thing with- And, and, And I'm sorry, by the way, when you're journaling- I've I've taken this so naturally right now that people get this confused. You're not journaling for posterity. You're not journaling for your children to read your journal when you are 97 years old. You're journaling for the garbage can. You're journaling to get it out of you. It doesn't matter if you can't read it. It doesn't matter if the grammar is incorrect. All you're doing is just trying to dump it. So I think one fear that people have with journaling is unleashing the Kraken. You know, because once there are things within all of us, and I I can speak from my own personal experience, there are things within all of us that we maybe haven't dealt with and we know that they're underlying issues. There are things that have been rearing their ugly head through the years, and but you're really you've become really good at tucking them deep, deep, deep back down. And I think a lot of people, including myself, uh, will avoid journaling because you don't want to unleash that kraken because you know that's where it's going. But the reality is, if you don't, 
then you are not going to ever do the depth of the inner work that you need to do to fix your life. And so it's not the boyfriend, it's not the job, it's not the whatever, it's it's something else, probably deeper in you that's keeping you with the boyfriend, that's keeping you in the job, that's creating that fear. And that's what you have to figure out through journaling. So like he said, just doing it as a safe place. And the method you use, Rob, is called? Uh, morning pages. Uh, Frank, uh, what's his name? Frank Coppola? Mark, uh, what's his name? Coppola? What's Coppola's first name? The, guy, the, the, the director, Francis Ford Coppola. I called him Frank. Okay. Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> first his, name basis. Yeah, his wife, his ex-wife, I think. I don't think they're married anymore. She came up with this thing called the morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G pages. Google, Google it. It's pretty simple. Just write three pages of shit that comes in your head. Can't stop writing for three pages. First page is like Jeffrey Dahmer coming out, right? I love this. I hate this. Why am I fat? Why am I skinny? Why am I rich? Why am I poor? Why am I writing? The crazy. The second page is you really kind of get to the real issues that you're really struggling with. And then the third page is is where you start like coming out. It's like a rebirth. You start coming out the other side. All of that dark, all of that ick is out of you. And then you just writing, it's not that bad anymore. And you start seeing sunlight and flowers. It's really kind of magical. So so you start clearing that window is what you start doing. You put the windshield wipers on, you start clearing the window. Because sometimes it just takes acknowledgement of that this is what it is and what do I need to do with this information? Maybe it's to bless and release. Maybe it's that you have to apologize somebody to somebody. Maybe it's that you have to take an action, but whatever it is, it comes out. And you know, once it comes out, it's out and that's a good thing. So what's the second thing, Rob, that you would say is, you know, if you had to give somebody only three things, right? To begin to clear that window so they can see all that is amazing and beautiful in their life. Uh, the first is journaling. The second would be? Meditation. I've experimented with lots of different forms of meditation from apps. Like I've used Sam Harris's Waking Up app. I've used the, used the Calm app. I've used Headspace. They're all pretty good, but none of them have put together what a gal named Emily Fletcher, uh, who came up with the uh, Ziva technique of meditation. She's got a school in Manhattan. Can't not remember the name of her book, but I'll get it for you. And uh, just Google Emily Fletcher. It's, I think it's the only book that she has. And we'll put it in the show notes. So um, she has a, a technique. It takes about 20 minutes. It's the most interesting technique ever in, in terms of meditation that I've ever done. And it goes like this. I'm going from memory, so you just got to bear with me. But basically what you're doing is you're sitting down and you're closing your eyes. And the first thing you're doing is called come to your senses. And you're taking, go open your phone uh, to an app called the Clocks app. So you can turn your iPhone or whatever phone you have into a clock and you can look at it. And you can look at your clock as I'm explaining this process as often as you want. Don't feel like you can't look at it. Open your eyes and look at it. So for the first two minutes, you're sitting with your back and upright in a chair, not lying down. You don't want to go to sleep to this. And for the first one to two minutes, you're coming to your senses. And the idea of coming to your senses is you want to be in the present moment. You want to get rid of stress in the present moment. And we call this mindfulness, right? It's getting rid of stress in the present moment. So basically what you're doing is closing your eyes and you are, with your eyes closed, you are listening to sounds that are around you that are loud and sounds that are soft. And you're just identifying the two of them, getting, this is helping you to get present. Then you're moving into all the other senses. Then you're moving into the light that's on your eyes. You're noticing how the light's hitting your eyelids. 
Um, you're taking a breath in, you're noticing the smells that are around you, you're tasting what's inside of your mouth. It might be coffee, it might be toothpaste, something like that. And you're feeling maybe the air conditioning or the heat that's on your skin. And the idea for those two minutes is to come to your senses, to get rid of stress. And this is the definition of mindfulness, being present in that present moment. Then you're moving on to the next portion of the meditation, which is for um, 15 minutes. And for these 15 minutes, you are doing a mantra. The word mantra in Sanskrit basically means mind vehicle or mind anchor. And it's the idea of you having something to focus on for 15 minutes. And I'll explain why in a second, but you're going to use the word one, O-N-E, like the number one. And you're going to slowly allow that number one to come softly in a way that if you were in a bar and there was a pretty girl or a handsome guy, you wouldn't run up to the person and just start making out with them. You would slowly flirt and you would be coy and maybe make eye contact and things like that. That's how you think about this. You slowly allow the word one in your mind to bubble up slowly in the back of your mind, then echo and then get louder and play with different rhythms of the word one. The idea is that you continue saying the word one for 15 minutes. Now you're going to, in the beginning, it's going to feel like, oh my God, this is crazy. You're going to be like one, one. And you're like, am I doing this right? And you'd be like, one, 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 one. And then you're going to like, oh, taxes are coming up. I got to do my taxes. And then you're like, oh, I forgot one, 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 one. And you're going to start going crazy. So that will start to change as you get better with this. But the idea is that you keep saying the word one over and over again as your mind anchor for this period of 15 minutes. Now, what this does is it somehow, and I don't really understand why you'd have to look up why mantras do what they do, but it somehow allows your nervous system to reset in a way, it gets rid of that looping brain stuff that you have happening over and over again. So know that while you're saying the word one, your mind is gonna wander. And the way you think about it is imagine the word one is a guest of honor. Let's say that you're throwing a dinner party and you're having a guest of honor in the house. The guest of honor is the word one. So if you, you know, at the dinner party and you walk up over to somebody and somebody starts talking to you, you're not gonna get lost in your conversation with that person because you have a guest of honor that you need to entertain. So you're gonna go back to the word one. You're gonna say like you would in a dinner party, excuse me one second, but I have my guest of honor here. I wanna make sure that he doesn't stay by himself for the night. And then you're gonna get another voice that's gonna come in. Some of them are gonna be invited. They're going to be like, oh my God, I'm great. I did something incredible. Some of them are going to be uninvited. Oh my God, I'm the worst person ever. And you're going to have this crazy that's going to come in. Just go simply go back to the word one. And that is your, your dinner guest. That is your guest of honor. And then that, that was a great metaphor that helped me to get through it. At the end of those uh, 15 minutes, then you do your last two to three minutes and that's on manifestation. And you have to slowly, for the first minute, when you're coming out of that 15 minutes, you go into gratitude and you say three things that you're grateful for. You know, your wife, your children, your job, whatever. And three things that you really feel a deep sense of gratitude. And then when the gratitude minute is over, you spend one minute visualizing a dream or a goal um, as already accomplished, and you visualize telling 
you're telling somebody, you know, uh, I visualize telling Kim, oh my God, I did X, Y, and Z, it's incredible, and celebrate. And so what it allows you to do is to, it's a very efficient and effective way of getting stress out of your life. And it incorporates three areas that everybody's always struggling with, which is mindfulness, meditation, and manifestation. All three of those get conquered in 20 minutes. Now, where I've struggled is getting that second 20 minutes in in the day. She says you should not do it at night. You should do it around two or three o'clock in the afternoon because you're just too tired. So it's a reset button. I've had a couple of friends do it. Every single person who's done it said to me, oh my God, I feel completely different. Like it's one of these things where you'll know the first time you do it that you feel different. So it's a very different kind of meditation. And that was a very long explanation. I can't even believe you just rattled that all I like out of nowhere. That was pretty amazing. Thank you very much. That was pretty amazing. Okay. So the first thing to clear that window is journaling. The second thing is meditation. And what do you think the last thing that you can give people to clear that window? For me, it would be workout, but I know a lot of people have an allergy to workout and, and they're like, yeah, I know. Everybody always tells me to work out. I would do more community. And by community, there's lots of different ways that you can do community, right? So For Kim and I, we do best with community by doing some kind of an event that's fun. We like masterminds, which is why we created this mastermind. We like Tony Robbins' UPW because there's a community of like-minded people. There's exercises with each other. But community, being with other people who are like-minded, positive, that will lift you up is the thing for me that is one of one of it's like the triad. Do you know what's so interesting about that is that the blue zone, right? We've talked about the blue zones before in Okinawa. The two things outside of their diet and whatever that they believe have allowed them to live to over a hundred is um, number one, purpose in life, but number two is community. And I think that's it. Like if if you're around. Let's say, you know, they say your average of your five friends. If you're around five people that are constantly complaining, constantly blaming, not living in gratitude, well, guess what? Guess what's going to happen to you? You can't help but be affected by that. I mean, I live, you know, say what you want about network marketing, but it is the most positive, freaking happy, go getter bubble I think you could ever be in. Like, it's crazy pants because everybody is just wanting better and has a purpose and wants to help others. And when you're around that positivity bubble, whether it's um, network marketing or or a mastermind or any of these types of like you know communities, it's so different when you get outside that into like the real world, let's call it, and all the bitching and complaining that's going on. It's kind of like your Facebook feed. A lot of people complain about their Facebook feed being so negative and horrible, but you you know what? You choose that. Like you're the one that created that feed. Can- <laughs> that, that algorithm was designed based on your preferences and your friends. Yeah. I mean, like you, I mean, I, here's what I would say. If you ever bitch about your social media feed being negative, go back and look at your last 10 posts. Are you the one bringing the sunshine or are you right that misery loves company? You know, be be honest with yourself. So- I guarantee, this is such a great point. I guarantee if you look at my Facebook feed or my Instagram feed, there's not a negative thing on there. No, and by the way, the moment I see one, I unfollow that shit in a second. Me too, and that's why there isn't one. And I, I like, I am so not interested in whatever. Now, that's not to say if you had a really bad day and you're going through something horrible, 
that you don't get to like have your complaint. We all have them. I don't share mine on Facebook typically because I don't like to put that out into the universe. But I, you know, you're allowed to have bad days. But when you live in that state, it's horrible. So conversely, if you live in a world where your community and your friends, like Rob said, truly lift you up and truly want the best for you. There's a big difference when I think about this. Like I'm in a group of girls now, right? I mean, there's some guys too, but you know, my my network marketing team is a lot of women and we have an amazing time. We go travel together, we have so much fun together. And when I think about that versus when I was in a sorority, and you know, when you get when you join a sorority, it's like, oh, we're sisters and you know, blah, blah, blah. I can't honestly tell you the majority of those women actually wanted the best for me. <laughs> I think it was Caddy AF. And, you know, I look at from that to like the community that we've built now. I mean, that's night and day. So be mindful of who you surround. Your mom was right. Your friends, your circle is everything. So be mindful of that and seek out communities. Like I'll give you a few others. So Lori um, Harder does the Bliss Project. Once a year, she does an amazing women empowering event. Um, Lewis Howes does Summit of Greatness, which is incredible. Uh, you'll you'll develop such a great community in um, the world of Summit of Greatness. And of course, UPW, like you said, Robert, are there any that I'm missing? Uh, there's Rob Murgatroyd's Work Hard, Play Hard, which I think is a great... <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> a, a, great, a great event yeah. um, that work, people really love. Work Hard, Play Hard, Mastermind, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's tons of these out there. Just find the communities where people are truly, truly lifting each other up and pouring belief into others without an expectation in return. All right, I'll leave you with this. On Showtime or HBO, how do you like that? Because I can't remember which one it is. There's a documentary that we just watched called If I'm Not in the Obituary, I Have My Breakfast or something like that. And it's by Carl Reiner. It was so good. It was so freaking good. So what you don't realize is that you know, Mel Brooks, Norman Lear, Carl Reiner, et al., right? They're all in their 90s. Betty White. Yeah, Betty White. There's a group of these guys and gals that are in their 90s. And what they did was his manager, Carl Reiner's manager said, look, dude, you've got, his manager, by the way, is like 70, okay? <laughs> I said, look, you you guys are in, like, what is it with you? You're 90 years old, you're still creating, you're still speaking, you're still writing books, you're doing document, like, what is it? And you, we've all heard of the guy who wrote the Blue Zone book, right? Which is, which is all the octogenarians and centenarians and I don't, the ninetyanarians. I don't know what they are, right? The noventa quanta denarians. All of these people, he documented them. The well, Robert denarians. The Robert De Niroians. What he did was he weaved in this documentary the guy who wrote the Blue Zone and these old. 90 and 100 year old people together and he showed the people that we've grown up with our whole life and know who are living these principles that we just discussed about community, et cetera. It's a great documentary. And the gal who does my show notes will Google it and she'll find it for you and she'll link it in. That's all we have time for this week. Have a great week, everybody. And we'll see you next week. All right, thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or 
their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.